your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and thus far in Philippians 4, Paul has taken a broad brush and painted a canvas explaining how the Christians at Philippi, as well as us today, can stand firm in the Lord. He told the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 1, that they needed to stand firm in the Lord. And we can stand firm in the Lord, first of all, by having the right attitude. Paul talked about in verses 1 through 5, the attitude of love, the attitude of being a peacemaker and peace-loving and, and helping those that are at conflict with one another to be reconciled and to keep their mind on Jesus. Uh, also, rejoicing and gentle. These are the attitudes that we need to have if we are going to stand firm. And once again, that idea about standing firm, that's a military term that means don't give up ground. Stand where you are. Stay firm. Don't let Satan take back what Jesus Christ has already taken and conquered. So we do that with our right attitudes. We talked about last week, we also stand firm by right praying. By praying continuously about everything, leaving our anxieties in our prayer closet, adoring God for who he is and making our requests known to God while thanking him for answering previous requests. We can wrap all of that up by saying we don't need to worry about anything and pray about everything. Now quite often we get that backwards. We worry about everything and don't pray about anything. But if we're going to stand firm, put our cares to the Lord. Let him have them. Let him take care of them so that we can stand firm. Let me tell you, if you start worrying and spending time with your worries, I can tell you from experience that it's much harder to stand firm. It's much easier for negative thoughts and negative things to happen if you're not praying and casting your cares on the Lord. But now today we're going to turn our attention to right thinking and right doing in verses 8 and 9. Uh, we talked last week about emptying our minds of anxiety and worry and leaving those things at the foot of the cross. But that's just a starting place. Because you know what? If you take all your worries and you put them at the foot of the cross, you've got an empty mind. And an empty mind is not a good thing. It's got to be filled with something or else those anxieties will come back, right? If we, if we don't put our minds, fill our minds with something positive, the negative things are going to come back. So in verses 8 and 9, look what Paul says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul tells us some things we ought to think about in verses 8 and 9. But before we get to that place, let's analyze what is it that Paul talks about when he tells us to think or to meditate. If I put the word meditation in front of you, you most likely will think of like the Buddhist or the Hindu Far Eastern way of meditation where uh, we just kind of sit and hum and you, you put your thumb on your, on your fingers there and empty your mind of everything. That's not the kind of meditation that Paul is talking about here. 
Paul here, this word think or meditate, uh, it, it means to chew, it means to concentrate, it means to consider, reflect, reason, and ponder. Uh, it, the idea is that if we focus our thoughts until they shape our behavior, think about these things until it becomes natural, that's what we do, we do what we think about. I read several quotes this week about our thoughts, and they're exactly right. What we think is what we become. Where we have kept our minds is where we are. Our thoughts shape our behavior. What we do is what we think. In one of my commentaries I was reading to prepare, William Barclay says this, It's a law of life. If a man thinks of something often enough and long enough, he'll come to the stage where he cannot stop thinking about it. His thoughts will quite literally be in a groove out of which he cannot jerk them. Once a person becomes a Christian, not only should our lifestyle change, but our thought patterns should change as well. When the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts, and he gives us a new heart, a new will, a new mind, we ought to be having new thoughts as well. We ought to turn our life over to positive thinking and not negative thinking. Uh, we live in a very fleshly, earthly world. And I'm going to encourage you to try this experiment. I've been trying this experiment this week. Uh, it's actually a command in Scripture, by the way. But I've really tried extra this week to, you know the Scripture that says, take every thought into captivity? Uh, to every thought that comes into our mind, it comes through our and through through our brains. Let's ask ourselves a question: Is this a godly thought, or is this an earthly thought? Does it fall under this category of what we're going to talk about here in verse eight, or would it fall under the category of worldly, fleshly things? I was surprised when I really started to analyze every thought that I thought about. Most of the thoughts that popped in my head, you couldn't find on this list. Uh, we, that old sin nature that stays in us, it's deep. And it, it tries to sneak back in. And the fastest way that it can sneak back in is to work through our thoughts. It, it will work in our thoughts before it will work in our actions. We don't do anything that we don't think about first. Now... In the prison where I work, I'll talk to some inmates, and I said, why in the world did you ever do what it is you did? And, and quite often they'll say, well, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't, I did it without thinking. And that's not true. We may not have thought it all the way through, but we don't do anything with other than breathe and uh, those involuntary muscles in our body. Any action that we take, we think about it. We just sometimes don't think all the way through for the consequences. But as a believer, we're not to allow an immoral, fleshly, worldly, selfish, sinful, evil thought in our minds. And when they happen, we need to use all the energy that we have to get those thoughts out of our mind. But you know what? That takes work. And I got to thinking, why don't we practice the discipline, the Christian discipline, of meditation, like we should, thought, thinking, shutting off all the noise that's around us, 
and letting the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. Read scripture, letting the Holy Spirit work and, and hearing from God. I wonder, in two disciplines I think about that as 21st century Christians, we don't do. That's a discipline of meditation or, or Christian thinking. And number two, fasting. You don't hear people, preachers, preach on fasting too much anymore. I don't know that I've ever preached a sermon strictly on fasting. And I got to thinking, I wonder why we don't practice those Christian disciplines. And it kind of dawned on me, I think because it takes too much discipline to practice these Christian disciplines. We don't have enough discipline uh, to do that. But do you remember what the psalmist wrote in Psalms 1, 1 and 2? Look over there with me. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. You'll remember it when we read it. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now watch verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That word meditate in Hebrew means to chew on it. Uh, have you ever taken a piece of meat uh, that might be a little bit tough and you got to chew on it a lot to break it down to where you can swallow it and process it? That's what the psalmist is encouraging us to do with God's law and God's word, is to meditate on it, to think about on it. And to think on it, replace the earthly junk, replace the fleshly junk with God's word and God's thoughts and God's law. And think about that day and night is what we're encouraged to do. Far too many of us as Christians, we're eating a spiritual diet of what I call spiritual fast food. Uh, we get by with positive quotes or we get by on, on life verses. We get by on reading a scripture. And we don't dig deep into God's word to let it build into our, take roots into our soul, into our heart, and into our mind. We need to endeavor to carve out a time every day to get alone with God and meditate and to think on his word. As my grandfather used to say, shut off all the racket. And by racket, I don't mean a tennis racket. I'm talking about the noise, the, the distractions. Uh, it's hard to... Shut all that out. But we need to do that and open our heart in prayer to the Lord and open our minds in his word. Well, with that in our minds, what should we think about? What should we meditate about according to Paul here in verse 8? He says, whatsoever things are true. That word true is defined as real and genuine. It is hard to find truth today. As a matter of fact, a lot of people say there is no truth. They say that what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. There is no such thing as, as real truth. But we're commanded here to think about those things that are true. Think about those things that are real. Think about those things that are genuine. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, verse 6? I am the way, the truth. And the life. Jesus also said that God's word is truth. We need to be thinking about those things that are true. And it's hard to find the truth. 
in the age in which we live. There's so much technology, there's so much information that's out there, not knowing what's right, not knowing what's wrong, but we need to focus and learn what is true. Just for example, dry mouth. Just for example, back in the 1400s, the truth that was present at that time said that the world was flat. You know, that, you, that the sailors, if they sailed far enough, they would just fall right off the edge of the earth. But did you know the Bible tells us that the world is round? That the Bible tells us that it's a globe, it's an orb? So study God's word and God's word is true. Used to. Let me give you a couple of other truths. If you walk under an apple tree and an apple turns loose of that tree, what's it going to do? Hit you in the head, right? That's the law. Of is that true? Is the law of gravity true? That's a truth. That's a that if you if you drop something, it's going to fall. If I go and if I'm standing too close to the edge of the Smoky Mountains and the and the gravel gives way, I'm going to fall off the Smoky Mountains. That's that's truth. There are some truths in this world. And some of the truths that we need to think about are found in God's word. So whatsoever things are true. Also, whatsoever things are honest or honorable. That's what this idea has in mind with it. The, the dignity of holiness. We need to be thinking about those things that, that have honor to them. Uh, they're not uh, dishonorable. They're not unholy. But they, 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 they're, they're positive. He says, whatsoever things are just. The idea of just means right and righteous behavior. And it has here to do with righteous behavior not only toward God, but toward each other. We need to be thinking about those things that are positive with each other. How we can help one another. How we can treat one another better. How we can be, treat God better. Think about those things that are true. Think about those things that are honest. Think about those things that are just. Whatsoever things are pure, that means morally clean, spotless. We have a lot that we watch and think about today that are not pure. Try to experiment one of these days. When you're watching TV, when the commercials come on, I've got where I turn the TV on, that's where I get my most exercise. My thumb gets exercised to the mute button because I don't like commercials. So when they come on, I'm gonna I'm gonna click them, cause uh, that's sort of like what they call you. They try to sell you something. I'm thinking if I wanted to buy what you were selling, I would have called you. That's kind of the way I look at that. But when you watch commercials, watch how much of it deals with things that make us look younger, things that make us look pretty, things that make us look healthy, things that make us look attractive to the opposite sex. Watch what people are wearing in, the, these, in these commercials. Uh, watch what the tone of some of the commercials. We just live in a world where it, we're not, it's not pure. It's not godly. It's not holy. It's not honorable. And we don't need to be thinking on these things. But we're bombarded by it every day. So it makes it difficult not to think about it. So we really have to work to get rid of the negative thoughts and to think positive thoughts. He says also those things that are lovely. 
That means those things that incite love and kindness. Things that build people up and not tear them down. Now let's park the car right here for just a second. How many of us hear lots of positive things during our day when we're working or going about our day? We don't hear much positive, do we? We hear a lot of anger. We hear a lot of negative. We hear a lot of tearing down. We hear a lot of, well, these people need to do this. Those people need to do that. And our world is this. Our world is that. Paul says we need to think about those things that are lovely. Be, let's build people up. Uh, you get on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, there's just so much negative that's on there. And I have resolved that if, it can, if it's not a news item for the church here or something, uh, if I can't post something that's going to be encouraging and lift somebody up, I'm not going to post it on Facebook. Now, there's a time when we need to talk to people and we might have to be negative. But our thoughts need to be toward things that build us up because our thoughts, we said at the beginning of this lesson, our thoughts will tell us what will oftentimes be a predictor of how we're going to act. I've used this illustration before. If you're feeling pretty good, you get to the front door and somebody says, Brother Andy, do you feel okay today? Yeah, I, I feel fine. And then you get a little bit further. Brother Andy, are you all right? You, you don't look like you, you feel real good. Well, four or five people tell you that, you're ready to go to the emergency room. <laughs> that's, that's what negative negativity does to us. It is hard for us to be positive and be the kind of Christian influence we ought to be if we are bombarding our minds with negative thoughts and if we're allowing, sometimes we, need, we just need to shut it all off. Shut off the computer, shut off the TV, shut off the negative thoughts and just get alone and think positive thoughts. He says, whatsoever things are of good report, that's reputable. It is the idea of worthy things, things of the highest quality. You know what we like to do as humans? And this is a human thing, I think, that most humans do. Uh, if I were to tell you, did you know my neighbor went to the Red Cross and donated blood? That wouldn't get your attention, would it? What if I said, you want to know what my neighbor did? I tell my neighbor, did you see her on the news last night? That was your neighbor? And boy, our ears perk up. And we start hearing negative about people, and we, we want to start taking, paying attention. And it never fails. I'll, I'll watch the news, and I'll hear a name that I'm kind of familiar with. So I'll go to Facebook, and I'll plug in that name and do a search, or I'll go to Google and do a search, and if I find out, is that the John Brown that I went to high school with? And it's usually not. But boy, when we hear bad reports, bad news, news people tell us that blood leads. That's what the news leads their story. Their, their leading story is generally the most dramatic, sad, life-costing thing that happened during the day, that's what they lead with because people want to hear it. We need to be thinking about things of good report. 
And then he wraps it up and says, if there is any virtue or excellence, and if there is any praise and any thought, think on these things. Let's read that list again. Things that are true. Things that are noble. Things that are just. Things that are pure. Things that are lovely. Things that are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything worthy of praise, meditate. Think on these things. What's he talking about? Where do we find these things that we ought to think about? How do we go about transforming our mind? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 that we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Well, how do we renew our minds? First of all, we need to be selective in what we watch and what we read. What do we do for our entertainment? Is it godly and spiritual, or is it fleshly? Now, I'm not saying that you gotta, it's got to just read your Bible 24-7. I'm not saying that's wrong. He says here, whatever things, whatever the kinds of things that are true. So it's not just God's word. There are novels, there's movies, there's TV shows that fall into the category of being virtuous and praiseworthy. Now, granted, they're getting harder to find. There are things that Disney's showing today on Disney movies that I never dreamed Disney would show on Disney movies. Uh, so I, it, it's getting harder to find things outside of the church realm that fall into the category, but, but they can be found. But those things that we casually think about, we need to discriminate. We need to be careful about what we read, careful about what we watch, uh, and realize that that stuff, our minds are like computers. What we put into them, that's what's going to come out. Uh, garbage in, garbage out. We need to realize that and understand that. Make the Bible your primary focus for meditation. We talked about this, the idea of the discipline of Christian thinking, the discipline of Christian uh, meditation. Use the Bible and, and prayer as your primary tool without, with, with that. Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible with a prayer in your heart. Psalm 119, verse 18, we need to pray that God will open our spiritual eyes. When you open your Bible and do your daily Bible reading, don't just try to get through it as fast as you can get through it. To so say, okay, I've done my daily Bible reading. If something jumps out at you, think on it, meditate on it, chew on it, take it down. Let, let God's Word grow deep inside your, your spirit and inside your heart. Uh, also, Sometimes read it aloud to yourself. Read it out loud. Because uh, sometimes when you hear it in your ears as well as feel it in your heart, you can get the message a double time. The, the word meditate, we read it a while ago in Psalm 1 verse 2, that the man that's blessed that meditates on the law of God day and night, that word also means to mutter. And what he's meaning by that is just kind of repeating scripture day after day. Read it slowly. Read it out loud. It helps to focus our minds on the words. 
As you read, ask yourself some questions. Here's some questions you ought to ask when you're reading scripture. Number one, is there some truth I should learn and know from this verse? What is this verse trying to teach me? This Bible, this, this is God's holy inspired word. This is his will. If you want to get to know God, open your Bibles and ask when you read it, is there a truth here that I need to know? Secondly, how does this passage affect a previously held conviction? For example, if you were back in the day and you believed the world was flat, when you came to the scripture that talked about the world being round and, and hung on nothing, that would change your conviction, right? Because it's God's word and, and you're learning, you're teaching, you're seeing with open eyes. Is there something I ought to be doing in light of this verse? With, this, with the, what this verse says, is there something I should be doing? Is there a practice I should change? Is there a habit I ought to begin? To put it this way, hold the word of God in your heart until it's affected every phase of your life. I'm going to say that again. Hold the word of God in your heart. Meditate. Think on the word of God. Let it be in your heart to the point where it affects every phase of your life. That's what Paul means when he says, think on these things, meditate on these things. Far too many of us as Christians, we have a church life we live on Sunday, and then we have a real world life we live Monday through Saturday. We are called to be God worshipers and Jesus followers 24-7, 365. And the only way we can do that is to have the Word of God taking deep root in our heart. But Paul doesn't stop there. After we have our thoughts in order, there's one more step that allows us to stand firm in verse 9. He says, the things which you heard and received, I'm sorry, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. There are two mistakes that Christians often make. Number one, we think mostly about worldly things, fleshly things, and as a result, we do worldly things or fleshly things. And then the second thing is we think about spiritual things, but we don't think about them enough to where we turn our thoughts into actions. That's all we just think about spiritual things. We think about doing good. We think about being kind. We think about, I ought to do this. I ought to do that. Have you ever heard this saying? And I know you have. It's a rhetorical question. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, we intend to do, we aim to do, we think we're going to do, but it never gets past the thought process. Paul says it's not enough to learn. He says we have to learn to do. Paul encourages here to both think the right things and then do the right things. Just like those negative thoughts lead to negative action, spiritual positive thoughts should lead us to spiritual positive actions. And then this question, whose example are we following? Paul here tells them that you guys follow my example. Do you have a Christian brother or sister? that you try to follow their example? 
And a second question is, what kind of example are you setting? Because do you realize people are watching you? Your children are watching you. Your grandchildren are watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. Your co-workers are watching you. It used to amaze me when I could go to Walmart and somebody would say, Hey, preacher. And I'd say, Hey, just like I knew exactly who they were. Didn't have any clue who they were, but the fact that they knew me just kind of stunned me. I, you never know who knows you. When we go on vacation, we went to the upper peninsula in Michigan one time on uh, spring break. And Leandra, we went into a Cracker Barrel to eat, and Leandra ran into one of her classmates that she went to school with back in Hickman County, Tennessee, at the same time. You know what she said? She said, Dad, I can't do anything bad. Somebody I know is always going to be around. <laughs> I said, yeah, I remember that. But you know what? We set an example. And as Christian people, it's a serious business as to what kind of example we set, especially if our family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers know we're Christians. Because if we're doing, practicing things that Christians ought not practice, if we're talking in a way that Christians ought not talk, our example is going to point people away from Jesus instead of bringing them toward Jesus. So as we wrap all this up, notice the last phrase of verse 9. He says if we think on these right things, if we do the right things, the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God will be with us. Look at the end of verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Both of these verses talk about the peace of God. Let's tie this paragraph together right quick, what we've talked about the last four weeks here in Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9. Paul tells us in verse 1 to stand firm. And we do that by living with the right attitude of love, peace, and joy, and gentleness. Verses 1 through 4. We stand firm by right praying. We pray continually, giving God our adoration, our supplication, and our thanksgiving. When we do these things, verse 7 says, God, God guards our mind and our hearts with his peace. That allows us, when God is guarding our minds and our hearts with his peace, that allows us to think on right things as well as do right things, which keeps us at peace with God. Isn't that a pretty cool paragraph? All of this stuff ties together. Be a peacemaker. Live lovingly. Rejoice. Be gentle. Think on spiritual things. Act in spiritual ways. And you'll be able to stand firm and not give back ground in your heart that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit have already conquered. Let's bow. Our Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us together today, and I just thank you for this message of Paul's that 
reminds us how we should think and how we should act. And I pray that everyone here in this audience has peace with you. But if there's someone that does not have peace with you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them. I, I pray your Holy Spirit would search all of our hearts and see if there's any wicked way in us. See, show to us the things that we need to change to make us more like you. And I pray, Father, that Holy Spirit would not only convict us, but would also give us the courage to repent and to get into the center of your will. In Jesus' name, amen.